Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your hosts, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week, we review the Sabbath School lesson titled Winsome Witnesses, the Power of Personal Testimony for Sabbath, July 11. Join us as we explore how to live out and share our powerful testimonies. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word. Together, we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. Okay, so here we go. Winsome Witnesses, the power of the testimonies, right? And uh, our memory text uh, starts off with this. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. This is uh, book of Acts 4, verse 20. You know, I, I think that's really the heart of this week's lesson is that we can't, it's just like eating food. You can't eat for someone else. If you haven't actually had a living encounter with Jesus, you can't really share him. It's true. Uh, and uh, you can fake it till you make it, but eventually people will be able to tell you, you know, by yeah. the fruits you will know them. Mm-hmm. And this is at the heart of their Christian witness. You know, uh, a lot of people are asking about Christianity and how does it relate to our current pandemic and life in general right now. Um, And there are a lot of Christians who actually don't necessarily have a living encounter with Jesus. It may be an intellectual kind of uh, ascent or maybe they grew up with it or a cultural. But really, I think what this lesson is challenging us is that we have to make it real. It has to be living and authentic. You know, and one thing I uh, want to make clear is that every human being on the face of the earth has had an encounter with God. It's mm-hmm. just that we need to acknowledge it. Yeah. Uh, some people write off a circumstance or chance or, you know, that's just a coincidence. Mm-hmm. But no, there's mm-hmm. oftentimes a, uh, an encounter with God. But you need to acknowledge that. Write it down forever. Remember it. So you remember that you had an encounter with God. Uh, so this actually leads us to a, a, an unlikely witness <laughs> in Sunday's lesson. Uh, Michael, you, will you take us there? Uh, All right. Chapter 5. Uh, yeah, and I'm reading again from the New Living Translation, and um, I'm going to start actually back up with just one verse, verse 14. Okay. The, the herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. And so people rushed out to see what happened. So you can just imagine that in your mind, you yeah. know, something dramatic has happened and people are like, I want to see. It's almost like driving by a car accident, right? Oh, yeah. Everyone has to stop and slow down and have their chance to look, right? Yeah. And it says, a crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. And he was sitting there, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. (laughs) Imagine seeing that, like, what's going on here? What's up? (laughs) Hey, guys. (laughs) And then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. Mm. And as Jesus was getting to the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. Mm. So I ask us this question. It says, why do you think Jesus sent that man into Decapolis to witness to his family and friends rather than nurturing him into his newfold, uh, newfound faith by keeping him with him. 
That's a great question. I, I think part of it is that, you know, the gospel of Jesus isn't about just building a small group of groupies that um, hang out around him and make him feel good. You know, I think that's what tends to happen for a lot of people. I want to hang out with people that are like me and uh, that like me and, and to be popular, right? That's And Jesus, that's not what it's about. It's about the kingdom of God and sharing the message of redemption to a lost world. What What greater witness can you have then knowing that your son, your 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 husband, your whoever he was, your your greatest friend, your best friend, your childhood friend, the one who went crazy, who's demon possessed, everyone knows, all of a sudden walking back into town, it's like, yeah, you know that man of Jesus that you guys have been mocking and laughing at? Yeah, he changed my life. He he cast out the demons out, right? And Jesus looks at us, and he doesn't just see uh what we were. He sees our potential, and he saw a potential of a great witness. Not saying that Jesus was using him, but he was he was saying, share your share share your testimony, mm-hmm. share who you are now, and what they too can become. He's trying to change lives by changing lives. Well, you know, it reminds me of how many people, how many conferences would hire as a pastor, someone who was basically out of his mind and demon possessed. But Jesus saw in his healing, his spiritual awakening, an opportunity of someone who could be a very successful evangelist for his kingdom. And and it's how, you know, basically God uses unlikely persons to advance his kingdom, unlikely circumstances. You know, just a little bit ago, I was sharing with you some fun stuff, doing some research in Adventist history of this uh, young man who was disgraced in Germany. He was in seminary and apparently he was an alcoholic, which makes you wonder how much alcohol do you have to drink to get kicked out of a seminary in Germany? But, <laughs> but he, he he's a disgrace. And so his family banishes him to the German colonies of Brazil. And so he's going across the ocean. He's bored to tears. A sailor comes up to him and says, hey, I forgot to drop this literature off at the previous port. Why don't you read it? He sees it's about the Bible, throws it to the ground, wants nothing to do with it. But eventually he's so bored, he actually picks up that literature, reads it and says, you know, maybe I should uh, start my own church. And uh, uh, But the, the thing is, is, you know, he's interested in it, but it actually hasn't changed. It hasn't con- really experienced conversion. But, but he takes that literature when he actually lands in Brazil, starts distributing it to others and um, as a result of his passing out that literature, um, there other people are converted and a church, the first Seventh-day Adventist church in Brazil is started as a result of his <laughs> efforts. Now, he hasn't stopped drinking. He actually writes to the International Tract Society, says, please send me more literature, which he receives and then proceeds to do basically call porter work selling it so he could keep raising money to buy more booze. Um, and so the almost, so backwards. <laughs> so so and I'm not recommending this, no, no, but no. but it's amazing how God can use the most unlikely of persons to advance His kingdom, and that's how the first Seventh Day Adventist Church in Brazil was was started. And of course, they were a little embarrassed because he caused a lot of trouble, so they didn't want to actually associate with him because he just you know he really hadn't changed his life. But um, but yeah, God God uses um, can use anyone to advance His kingdom. Amen. You, you know. Uh, it just reminds me that all of us, if you really look at it, we're all unlikely. But we are likely to be used if we're willing to be used. As a matter of fact, we will be used if we want to be used. And I love Mark Finley's challenge here towards the end, which is, what is your own story? And what is it that you can tell someone that's unconverted? That what, How can they benefit from your experience? And sometimes you don't even realize they can until you actually have enough faith to mm-hmm. actually share it. And mm-hmm. that's challenge we're giving you Mm -hmm. be that unlikely witness that god can use 
Yeah, God wants to use anyone and everyone uh, to advance his kingdom. So going on to Monday's lesson is pro- proclaiming the risen Christ. It talks here about Mark 16, 1 through 11. I challenge you to go back and read this for yourselves. But here we see Mary, she gets there uh, along with some other women and find the tomb is empty. And immediately she goes and she says, he's risen, right? She doesn't say, as there's been some accounts of uh, uh, he was taken away and buried somewhere else or his body. No, she knew he was risen and she went back and she fled and she went to tell the disciples and the disciples, they said, oh yeah, you're right. They celebrate it, right? No, (laughs) they actually said, you know what? We don't believe you. Uh, What's wrong with you? And so Mark Finley brings out a, a, a great correlation here, which is, People won't always believe our testimony. They won't always believe our witness. And it's not our duty to, to really convince them. To make them. them. Yeah. It's our duty to share and allow the Holy Spirit to, to move and to work. And if the disciples who were followers of Jesus didn't believe, how much more so will it be for us to tell non-believers or even sometimes believers who are disgruntled? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter yeah. what they do with the information. We're called to share that information in love. And also... To be excited about it. She she wasn't like down and out like, oh yeah, guys, Jesus. No, she was excited about this. And this is how our fresh encounter should be with Christ. Excited and sharing with others. Well, uh, moving right along with our lesson, how changed lives make a difference. Uh, we're looking at Acts chapter 4. And uh, give a little bit of context here how the church, after they yeah. did believe, right? And obviously the story goes on and they actually meet Jesus and and their lives are turned upside down. Um, and, you know, one has to also remember they didn't fully grasp the mission of Jesus till he actually had come to this earth and until he actually died and then was resurrected. And once once he did so, it was uh, it really was uh, truly explosive growth. And Acts chapter 4 talks about the story of Peter and John as they're going forth. Uh, and, you know, sometimes evangelism, um, we like to think that it's all just really happy. Uh, you know, everything goes perfect and, and everyone, you know, <laughs> accepts. But not everybody does. Sometimes no. there is resistance. And oftentimes there's more resistance than there is actually acceptance. You know, it's spiritual warfare that that we're dealing with. And and so here we can be encouraged if you've ever faced resistance in sharing your faith that you're not the only one. Here's Peter and John. They actually are going uh, and sharing uh, the gospel message. And it says that the, the leaders of the temple, the Sadducees, that they were very disturbed uh, that they were sharing about Jesus. And I'm not going to read this whole passage. I encourage you, just like the other one, to read it on your own sometime. In fact, it says that they were arrested for their faith. And we we can think of many people, even we don't necessarily realize that because we live in a country where we believe in religious freedom, at least right now. Uh, But there are some parts of this planet where there are people just by sharing the name of Jesus Christ, you can be arrested. Uh, And so and I have to deeply admire people who live their faith, um, living in the reality of persecution. Anyways, Peter and John, they're arrested, says that many of the people who heard their message believed it. So Mm -hmm. it's not like they wasn't having an impact. It definitely was having an impact. And then they try to um, get them to shut up. Yeah, they're saying, uh, why, you know, why are you doing this? And then Peter responds, says he's filled with the Holy Ghost. And in verse eight, 
Uh, we've done a good deed. He's talking about the miracle of, of healing the crippled man. But let me clearly state, verse 10, to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. Amen. And he goes on and quotes Isaiah and he says, there is salvation in no one else. And after he gives this little elevator speech, right? It's this small little mini sermon here with his life on the state on, on the line. Um, it says that the council members were amazed at the boldness of Peter and John. So, it's, and, and the, the last part of yeah. that, it's one of my favorite verses uh -huh. It says, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the point of all of this. Can't help is, it. Yeah. Our, our testimony. Yes. Our words are important, but our lives, mm -hmm. That people can look at us and say, man, I can tell that, that Michael Campbell has been with Jesus, that Buster Swoops has been with Jesus, right? yeah. that the Adventist church is with Jesus. That's mm -hmm. what's so important. You know, and that's what we have to remember as Adventists. It's, you know, it's important to understand correct doctrine. It's important to worship on the correct day, all those kinds of things. But if they don't lead us to becoming more loving and lovable Christians, as Ellen White says, uh, if if people don't can't tell as a result of that, that we have been with Jesus, like you said, Buster, then it's all been in vain. By the way, the story ends at the very end. It says, basically, they tell them, don't speak in Jesus's name again. You know, stop. <laughs> and you know what they say? <laughs> Peter says, we cannot stop. We have to obey God rather than man. Amen. And... I love how this continues on because they go and they meet in another small room and they pray for boldness mm. to continue to preach. Love it. And they continue to preach, yeah. you know, and, and even though there was threatening of laying hands on them, and these weren't the, the good hands, these were the bad hands. They said, we don't care. We're still going to preach this message. Yeah. You know, I'm reminded of Tertullian who talks about, the you know, just because we share Jesus and, you know, Peter and John, their lives were spared at this point. But many early Christians actually suffered a martyr's fate, you know, that they shared the word of their testimony and sealed it with their blood. And mm -hmm. uh, Tertullian talks about how the blood of the martyrs was the uh, was the seed of the church. And yeah. as people would see that, they're like, you know, even if you kill these guys, um, they have something that I want. I don't know what it is, but I, I have to have it. Yeah. And and that's, that in and of itself is the testimony mm -hmm. showing that God is real, mm -hmm. he is love, and he is the one that is the source of power in our lives. Mm -hmm. Just is. Uh, so talking about sharing our experience, uh, Acts 26 uh, talks a little bit about that. We're actually be looking more at that at Thursday's lesson. But here, it, uh, Michael, I'm going to have you read Galatians 2.20. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read 1 John 1-3. through 3. And once again, talking about in the light of sharing experiences is what similarities do we see and how is John's experience uh, similar to Paul's? Um, 1 John 1, 1-3, I'll kind of go through this. But that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. You see, there's an actual experience with, there with, with God. It says, the life was manifested that we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was the father that was with the father and was manifested to us, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the father and with the son, Jesus Christ. So if you can read for us, Galatians 2.20, Michael. Got it. All right. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself 
for me. Amen. Amen. I just like that, you know, as a reminder that, you know, salvation, it's not some like heroic thing that is accomplished. It's, well, it is a heroic that's accomplished is Christ, what Christ has accomplished. That's truly heroic. But for, for me, it has to be that daily surrender saying, Lord, um, I want to crucify my flesh with, you know, um, my old self has been crucified with Christ. I want to surrender my life, Amen. my own will and wishes. It's no longer me. But it's Christ who lives in me. And having that daily experience, that daily surrender, that's absolutely essential. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think of Hebrews chapter 11, which is the, the faith chapter, we call it, the heroes of faith, however you want to talk about it. But uh, as it goes on to 12, saying, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, these are eyewitnesses of the power, the manifestation of God. And I like to include this, that that chapter is not done yet. Like chapter 11 is continue on. It's continue on to the 21st to the 22nd century because God is still calling men and women to be those eyewitnesses of the power and the manifestation of God so that we can all be a part of that great cloud of witnesses. That's what it's all about. Amen. So it finishes up here on Thursday's lesson, the power of a personal testimony. And this is Acts chapter 26, verses 1 through 32. And once again, we won't go through the entire thing, but this is uh, the Apostle Paul who is so used to being in chains now. But now he is brought before Agrippa and he shares with them his testimony. He talks about how he used to persecute and now he he has been converted. And he talks about all these different things, about the bright light that he saw on the road to Damascus. Uh, So much so that he's... Compelling, he, he is he is constrained, right? We talked about that. Propelling his his heart out, and Agrippa himself says, "You've almost convinced me, you know, <laughs> to be a Christian." Uh, his words were so powerful, and uh, in the end, he is he is not he is not killed, right? Uh, he is he is sent forth to the next place, but asks this question. It says, "What can we learn from his words, and how did Paul witness to Agrippa?" You know, he could have, he could have, he could have condemned him right then and there. He could have said, you need to do this. You need to keep the Sabbath. You need to stop eating this (laughs) and then you'll be a good Christian. No, he said, here goes my experience. This is what I've experienced. This is my true walk with God. Now, what are you going to do about it, Agrippa? Yeah. You know, the Holy Spirit was, must've been obviously working in his heart. The fact that he's kind of hesitating. Um, You can just see that tugging of the Holy Spirit. There's a spiritual inner battle that's going on uh, within his soul. Yeah. And, and that's the, that's what we're called to do as well, which is share so much and with so much passion. And sometimes I, I think that we, we confuse reverence with, with stoicism. Mercy. (laughs) I'm passionate. I I love Jesus and I want the world to know. I'm not going to hide that. Uh, I smile when I talk about Jesus. I don't have this, this somber look on my face. No, I, I'm excited. We need to be excited when we talk about Jesus. Yeah. Just like if you ask me about how I met my wife, there's this giggly kid that comes about. Why? Because I you remember those moments, story. right? Yeah. And I still talk to talk about her that way. And the same thing needs to happen with our experience with Jesus. This needs to be something that compels people to follow him as well because they see the excitement. Uh, They hear the joy in our voices. Well, I'd like to challenge our listeners to think about your own personal walk with Jesus, you know. And and if you you haven't had that conversion experience, you haven't experienced a living connection with Christ, 
you know, this is an opportunity to stop right now and say, hey, God, I want to be real with you. Amen. And I want to invite you into my life and I want to have that relationship. Or um, if maybe it's been a while, you know, is reflect back upon that time when you did give your heart and surrender to Christ. Remember those tender moments when the Holy Spirit Amen. was speaking to your soul, to your, deep down inside you, to to your heart. And um, and then think about that this, this coming week, you know, as praying for just like we did last week. Um, pray that God will open your hearts to find somebody within your sphere of influence. Maybe it's a neighbor, it's a friend, maybe it's even a relative. I don't know who that is, but the Holy Spirit impress upon your heart to share how God has been working. Yeah. You know, right now we're seeing a time in Earth's period where people are walking away from not only Christianity, they're walking away from God. And Charles uh, Haddon Spurgeon has a quote, and it says, the greatest argument against the Bible is an, un- is an unholy life. Mm. And when a man will give that up, he will convince himself. And when you walk with God, and I, I know we were talking about when you really walk with God and you love him every day, uh, as, as the Book of Lamentations say, morning by morning, his, his mercies are new, right? We'll, we'll, we'll be changed as a result of looking in the mirror and saying, God, what is it about me that you want me to change according to the word that I'm reading today? And this is why it's so important for us to read the Sabbath school lesson. Mm-hmm. This is why it's so important for us to read the Bible, for us to read the spirit of prophecy so we can continue our growth so we can help other people grow. You know, I'm reminded also of uh, Gandhi, you know, the, the famous uh, yes. reformer in India, and I'm sure you've heard this, you know, uh, but he talks about um, basically um, I like your Christ, but not your Christianity if it wasn't for uh, Christians. And so, and I think we have to think about that. You know, it's not just claiming the name of Christ, claiming to be a member of a church in order to somehow be respectable and to be a good, proper citizen. You know, <laughs> um, that's not what Christianity is about. It's no. it's an inner transformation that changes our whole orientation. It's It's like the GPS, you know. Um, our destination isn't, you know, uh, G- we set the GPS in a hole and it goes a 180 degree different direction uh, with Jesus, hopefully at the driver's seat. But, yeah. but we're, we're headed in a new direction because the whole purpose of our life has changed because Jesus is uh, changed us from the inside out. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I think we've uh, covered it for this week. I think so as well. So I guess this is Soup and Swoops signing, signing out. out. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personable colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.